This week on People with Passion for Pets, we talked to Dr. Judy Stoltz. Dr. Stoltz is a doctor of veterinary medicine, and she specializes in homeopathic treatments. Well, welcome. Hello. Hello. Hi. (laughs) So, Dr. Stoltz, you specialize in homeopathic medicine for animals, which I'm so excited to have you on the show. And by the way, welcome to People with Passion for Pets. Mm -hmm. For our listeners, homeopathic is more about using nature and natural ways to treat. Is that correct? Correct. So in Western or conventional, which is kind of a misnomer, it's not really conventional, but in what we call conventional medicine, we use antibiotics, anti-convulsants, anti-vomiting, anti- you know, we're trying to cover up that symptom, which, you know, sometimes that's indicated, especially in an emergency situation. But when we have chronic disease, when we cover something up, it makes it worse. So with homeopathy, homeo means similar and pathos means the pathology. So we're using something similar in an energetic form to treat that pathology. It's kind of like like cures likes. So an example of that is, say you're on an airplane and it's really noisy and you can use those noise-canceling headsets. So the noise is at a certain wavelength and the headsets create the opposite wavelength and it cancels it out. That's kind of what homeopathy is, light cures like. Hippocrates, you know, whenever he was, he was the first person that we know of that noticed light cures like. When they had people who had some kind of neurological issue that maybe they couldn't move, they would bury them in sand up to their neck. And so that person would like try to move and they couldn't. So when they took them out of the sand, it was helpful. They could actually move. That's amazing. But that's a, that's a really good um, example. And I've never thought of that, but it's just the nervous system saying, Hey, you know what? Now I can. Right. Right. Or like a really commonly used remedy is called apis, which is um, the bee. Apis mellifica is the the honeybee. It's a very old remedy, but you know, like when you get a bee sting and you have like a, you know, swelling, it's red, it's hot, it's stinging, it's burning. And you can take the energy version of the honeybee, which is called apis. It cancels out those symptoms of burning, the stinging. We use homeopathy in acute situations like that, like sprained ankles or bee stings or trauma, where it really shines even more is with chronic long-term, you know, chronic disease. That's a whole different situation where we do something called a constitutional remedy, where we look at the whole patient, everything about them, their personality, what their symptoms are, like their seizures, their past ear infections, you know, everything. And that's called constitutional prescribing. We're looking at the whole individual. So we have to find a remedy, a homeopathic remedy that matches that individual. So say, for example, someone, three people in one day, this hardly ever happens, but three people in one day call and they say their dog is seizuring. Um, They would each get a different homeopathic remedy. Their seizures are different. Their personalities are different. their, Their characteristics are different. Their past histories are all different. So we, we look at all of that before prescribing that one remedy that fits that whole patient. And, so. and that is so amazing. And I think that's why I'm, I'm definitely a proponent. I love homeopathic medicine for, for people, but you know, I obviously love it for animals because it, yeah. it is about the individual. It is every person is different. Right. And oftentimes, you know, the, 
the illness is an indication of something within that person's life. And when it's just a, here's a medicine for that, that's not really a treatment. That's not really looking at the no. root cause or, you know, right. how so, did it get there in the first place? It's like the exactly. first, you have to look at the, the, the root of the issue, which they say that functional medicine does that. Yeah. Yeah, they do because they do a lot of lab tests and they're looking really more on a physical level, but in homeopathy, we're looking even on a deeper level. Hey guys, just real quick, if you enjoy our content, please give us a thumbs up and share it with your friends and family. And please subscribe to our podcast. Okay, let's get back to the interview. Healing has to occur on an energy level first. Yep. You have to treat the vital force. That has to be healed first. And then the physical body responds. My, my first homeopathic case ever was a little dachshund that had been attacked by another dog. The dog had already been, you know, it had multiple surgeries, skin grafts, been to every internal medicine specialist. It had been on antibiotics for like a year. It just would not heal. Every time they'd do a skin graft, it just wouldn't heal. And they came to me and I, all I did was two things. I gave a homeopathic remedy called calendula, which is marigold. So I gave that in a homeopathic form, but I also um, gave them like syringes full of calendula juice called calendula succus. And I had them flush out the wound. Like two weeks later, they didn't show up. And I called him like, what's going on? Oh, he's completely healed. Like everything. <laughs> oh, wow. That's why we didn't come to the appointment. I was like, oh my gosh, I would have loved for you to come in so I could take a picture of it. This is my first homeopathic case. I wanted to take pictures of it and stuff. So um, it was just really interesting that, you know, it had been on so many drugs and it's so amazing um, when I uh, talk to people about herbal medicine, how there are, uh, you know, in nature, these, these just wonderful plants uh, that just have so many things that uh, these, these days, you know, pharmaceutical medicine just has kind of pushed to the side, but that's really right. how medicine started. If we think about it, that's right. medicine, right? That's how, right. and that's why it's so funny to say traditional medicine, because that is really traditional medicine, right? That's right. where it comes from. Right. Con traditional conventional medicine is Chinese medicine, homeopathy, naturopathy. Naturopathy is using herbs and supplements and nutrition, which is great. It's helpful, but sometimes it's not really deeply curative like homeopathy is. Sometimes they use the analogy of um, <clears throat> like a great big iceberg. And what you see above the water on the iceberg is the symptoms. And then below the water is like this huge thing that we don't see. And that's the part that's like you could see eventually, but it's inherited when it's it treated improperly. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger with nutrition and herbs and things. It's great. But what that, what that does is it raises the water level on that big iceberg so yeah, it's great because you, you get relief of the symptoms. It's, it's helpful, but it's not melting the iceberg because if you stop the good diet, you stop the herbs, that water level goes back down and you see the symptoms again. So you haven't really cured, you haven't really melted that iceberg. And then the problem we run into is in Western conventional medicine, they, they'll give an antibiotic and it like chops off part of that iceberg. So it makes it really difficult for the homeopathic veterinarian to come along and say, what is that exact remedy that, that matches that iceberg? It's hard now because it's been so chopped up. I mean, it still can be done, but it's um, it takes longer and it's a little more 
drawn out. <laughs> it seems that the medicines you get, it's supposed to kill the bacteria, kill something right. like that. Well, as my thought is, it doesn't just kill the bad. It takes out right. some of the good too. So right. instead of encouraging the good to be stronger, right. you're trying to go after the whole thing exactly. and just you, you're hoping you kill more of the, the bad right. than the good. You know? right. And it seems like right. your way is to just feed the good and let the good mm-hmm. take care of the bad. That's exactly yeah. that's called the gut microbiome. Well, that's one example. I mean, every place on the body has a microbiome, but the gut microbiome in particular, like it's potent, it's strong, but it's also a little fragile. Like you can ruin it with just one course of antibiotics it could take years to recover from that if you don't do anything about it. Even with probiotics, it's months of probiotics and staying away from junk food and sugar and, you know, doing a more natural diet, you know, that's just from one course of antibiotics. But yeah, there's so much of the autoimmune diseases Mm -hmm. going around right now in humans, but I think Mm -hmm. we probably haven't seen really that that is also going on in animals. And I see so much Uh, when I look into a customer base and into comments, um, how many, uh, especially dogs there are right now that have uh, food sensitivities, right? And that is a really big indication of that's exactly what's happening there as well. seems like when I was in vet school 30 whatever years ago, Mm -hmm. just say, for example, Cushing's disease or thyroid disease, or like what you were just talking about, like gut problems. I think in vet school, I might've seen one Cushing's case and now it's so common and in thyroid disease, it was, yeah, we would see it here and there. It's just multifactorial. It's grossly over vaccinated from puppyhood all the way through. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, it's the poor quality food that, that we've fed for 50, 60 years. Yeah. You know, prior to that, dogs would just eat what people were eating. And that was like organic because we didn't have all the glyphosate sprayed all over the crops, all these um, toxicities. I've read and I also believe that animals are about 50 times more toxic than people. Mm-hmm. And we don't have all the detoxification procedures in animals. Like in people, we can, you can do saunas and you can do all these detoxification herbs and things. How are you going to get a dog to take an herb every hour? You know, and how, you know, it's just, it's much worse in animals than it is in people as far as autoimmune diseases and vaccine related diseases. You know, the symptom has to come out somewhere, whether it's an ear discharge or a nose discharge or itching, which is considered a discharge. That discharge is a result of what we call vaccinosis. It's a state of disease created by vaccine. Vaccines. Even if a dog has never had vaccines its entire life, it can still have vaccinosis because that state of disease created by the vaccine is passed on generation to generation. Oh, wow. Wow. That iceberg just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger every single generation. So, you know, nowadays you see little puppies that are already starting to itch. Um, they're already having digestive complaints where I see a little puppy or a little picture of a little puppy, you know, and they have a black nose and already they're getting like little gray spots on their nose or gray spots around their eyes. They're already like producing antibodies against their own pigment on their nose. Mm-hmm. Their immune system is already hyper like reacting to the pigment in their nose that's a dog to me that's either going to, you know, already have allergies or maybe just swing the other way, have a lower immune system and maybe be more um, susceptible like cancer or something like that. Mm. 
so for our audience that's listening on the podcast, what are some of the things that you could suggest as a, as a remedy, even when my dog's not sick yet, knowing that these things are probably already out there and we've vaccinated all of our dogs because most of us are required to do it or right. thought we were required to do it. Are there certain things we can do to, mm-hmm. to kind of help our dogs have better lives? Well, as long as there are no digestive complaints, I am a proponent of raw feeding mostly. Um, sometimes that's not possible just depending on the situation. I kind of tailor it to the individual if they can handle it or not, or sometimes we kind of work up to it, but that's, that's one of those things where, you know, like I was describing before with the iceberg, it really brings the water up. You see all kinds of things go away, like little eye discharges or ear infections, skin, you know, smelly skin, you'll see that typically diminish or completely go away with a natural diet. So that's, that's one thing. As far as a remedy goes, there isn't really one remedy. You have to look at the symptoms. So like, say, for example, a puppy gets, uh, you know, the vaccination and they get a lump at the injection site. That really shouldn't happen. There's a remedy called silica. Sometimes we'll use for that when a little a lump forms. Um, People might have heard of a remedy called thuya. Thuya is another remedy that is commonly used. But I almost don't want to say that because there's thousands of remedies. And Mm -hmm. those are just two common ones that... And the good thing about homeopathy is if you give the the wrong remedy, the worst that can happen is nothing in that situation. (laughs) So that's... That's good. Not huge side effects. Right, yeah. right. There's what do really, you, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Didn't well, I was going to say, there really are no side effects other than if it's a very elderly or a very fragile patient, you could stimulate them too much and they, you know, you could make them worse technically. Gave too high of a potency to elderly dog, for example. Now there's a, there's obviously a big hype right now um, for prebiotics, probiotics taken over the pet world, right? It's, I think it started Mm -hmm. with people at least from, from where I stand. And now I see Mm -hmm. it really going up big. Is that something that you think is, is a good thing? I use probiotics literally on almost every patient, I think. Okay, great. Um, I like to rotate them around, but one that I use a lot right now is called Phytospore okay. by Microbiome Labs. Um, it's a spore, obviously, Phytospore. It gets through the hydrochloric acid in the stomach, so it gets down to the, to the small intestine and large intestine. But I, I do rotate it with some other brands too. Just yeah, and I think that is the biggest challenge out there, at least um, for me as a dog owner, is you, you do want to do some natural um, herbal things for your dogs, but you know, the, the market is so saturated and sometimes you wonder, uh, is this really a quality product? Mm-hmm. Um, any, right. any, um, advice there on how to find really good quality products that are truly homopathic things like probiotics or, uh, natural herbs that, uh, you know, people read about and they're like, okay, this is, this is great for the dog, but, I'm going to get it off the internet, but how do I know it wasn't made with sawdust or something? Yeah. You know, you have to kind of look at, um, look at the label, obviously, but also something called excipients. An excipient is like junk that they add to hold the capsule together, which could be um, silicon dioxide, magnesium, other ingredients. And it's to hold the capsule together or like, if you can't pronounce the word necessarily like a preservative. You probably don't want to be. Don't want it. It. Yeah, if you look at put dandelion root and it says something you can't. Yeah, uh, it says all kinds in. of weird things at the bottom. Right, right. Um, it's okay. Sometimes because it's cheaper, I might use it for a very short time, like a week or something. 
but you don't want to use that long-term because the body says, oh, I'm so hungry for this B vitamin or this supplement. I'm wanted in the cell, but I've got to take this junk with me. I got to take this mm. silicon dioxide and it gunks up the cell. It gunks up what we call the mitochondria, the little organelles mm. in the cell called mitochondria, which is something, okay. not something you want to do in the long term. So nope. take it and take a look at the ingredients, make sure that yes. it's obviously uh, for one thing and, and not everybody knows this, but they have to be listed in uh, the most ingredient in there is first. Yeah. So that's always a good indicator if I'm looking for a natural herb, then that should be the first ingredient. A lot of times, you right. know, you look at these labels and it says, you know, water and, you know, salt. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, three down the road is maybe the thing that you thought was really, really good for your pet or yourself. So I think that's, that's one thing maybe to consider. If they don't put the milligram, they don't put the amount of whatever it is. Now, sometimes they don't, if it's a proprietary mixture, they don't put the exact milligrams on there. That's okay. If I know and trust the company, no milligrams, no nothing. Echinacea. That, that that doesn't tell you anything. That could just be like dirt from around the echinacea or something. It doesn't tell you, is it the echinacea flower? Is it the yeah. echinacea leaf? Is it the echinacea root, which is the more potent, usually the more potent part? They're cheap, but you might be wasting your money. So. That's a very good point, though, to look for the milliliters, the, the volume mm-hmm. of it. I mean, it, you, right. you, you can... Uh... Yeah, the, the milligrams and, you know, you need to, to have the dose. For mm-hmm. example, when we prescribe an herb, it'll curcumin, which is curcumin's org, for example, 400 milligrams twice a day for a little dog. How do you know that unless it says on the label? You know, if you don't, if you're not given the dose, it it might not work, not because it's not the correct herb to use, but you just don't have it in the right amount. So that's true of any kind of drug or herb, you know, it has to be in the right dose versus homeopathy. We don't have that issue in homeopathy. We have these little globules. The ones I use are very tiny, like little sesame seed sides. So when we pop them in the mouth, they stick the dog or cat usually can't spit them out, but if they do spit them out, it's totally fine because it's an energy medicine. You don't have to give like the exact amount such and such a remedy i just give the give it to the person in a little envelope say let's make a little trough out of the little envelope and then you pour some of it in their mouth or you can even put it in the water if you have to if you spill some it's totally fine it's an energy medicine so you don't have like an exact dose of that remedy mm-hmm. so when um when people come to you you um your services are on uh, from your website and it's usually a phone consultation yes Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So, um, and then you would prescribe uh, a, a, a course of action, maybe some changes in lifestyle or diet, but then also you would have some homopathic medicine that you could prescribe. Initially, what I do is have people gather up any medical records from as far back as possible. Sometimes those are really helpful to me, sometimes not. Four years ago, an ear infection in the left ear, and it was a green pus or something, that's very helpful to me because it was just in that one ear. Why is it just Mm. in that one ear? So in homeopathy, we look a lot at sightedness. Why is something just in the left ear, the left eye? And if you look at symptoms, they typically, for most people and animals, it will be on one side more than the other, usually. So that's part of the reason why I like to get the records because a lot of times people don't remember, oh yeah, I totally forgot. That was five years ago when he had that itching or whatever. So that is very significant. Or they have the other vet email me all the records. I review all those. Um, and then we set up the appointment. It takes about an hour or so on the phone to go through everything. 
you know, every possible organ system, characteristic behavior, you know, how do they react? How does a dog react when a stranger comes in your house? That's like really important. Um, so all those things are really important. And then I usually have to study the case after that because it's not like Western medicine where you just know immediately necessarily the remedy. You have to like correlate all those symptoms together, come up with that one very specific remedy. And then we do periodic follow-ups over a long, usually a long period of time. So it's like we're melting the iceberg. Everybody treated homeopathically for several generations. They, the dog, cat, people would respond a lot faster, but we're dealing with this inherited iceberg. Like I said, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger every generation. So if everybody treated homeopathically, the iceberg would be getting smaller <laughs> instead of bigger. So that's kind of what we do. It's a long-term it's a long-term treatment. Most of the people that come to me most, I'll say, are already kind of of that mindset. Maybe they've already had homeopathy for themselves. They know someone whose dog has done well. They're somewhat familiar with it already, usually. So we've, we've talked a lot about medicine and, and uh, herbal uh, remedies, but of course, there's other, other things too. And I'm, I'm thinking of uh, things like acupuncture, which I know that right. you offer for animals, but as well, we, we interviewed a lady that does um, electromagnetic uh, light therapy. So what do you think about those types of uh, remedies? I was a licensed veterinary and human acupuncturist for a while, but I kind of phased that out when I got into homeopathy. But yeah, I mean, it's amazing, especially for acute conditions, like acute back problems, a little dachshund or you know, the, the disc problem, that type of thing for chronic long-term issues. You know, the Chinese never used just acupuncture. That was just one of their tools. They used herbs and supplements and all kinds of energy medicines and elixirs. So, you know, if I just did acupuncture on a dog that was itching, it, it wasn't that effective without doing other <laughs> And again, I guess that just comes back down to the beginning of our conversation where we were saying you have to really treat the whole animal based mm -hmm. on, you know, their lifestyle. And that's why it's so important to get that whole story, because you can't right. just give this one thing and then expect right. uh, that that's right. going to be a cure. Right. One of the most common questions I get, you know, or email or phone call. I know you do homeopathy. My dog is itching. What remedy should I give? I don't know. You know, like, right. like I said in the beginning, you have to look at the whole patient, you know, itching is that's on the surface. We have to look deeper than that. Is there other digestive disturbances? And, you know, we get just go into so much detail in the skin, you know, everybody is so concerned it's on the outside and you want the skin to be better, but healing occurs from the inside out. So sometimes, you know, you could be on the most perfect remedy, homeopathic remedy, and they're still itching because it just hasn't reached that level yet. The, maybe the energy is better. They're eating better. They have the sparkle back in their eye, but they're still itching. And then you just have to keep working with that, like layers on an onion. Maybe they need another dose or maybe they need a different remedy. So, so again, for, for our audience, uh, for those who are interested in finding out more about uh, homopathic animal uh, medicine, um, they can go to your website and tell them where mm -hmm. to find you. It's just drstolz.com. I have some articles on there. Um, I kind of explain what homeopathy is, how it officially started. Um, there's some examples of acute situations, different remedies, you know, like if a dog is eating garbage and he's sick, 
for you know some acute remedies, maybe for parvo, that type of thing. So if you uh, if you have an animal that's a, a dog that's having a tough time, you could definitely try a different path. It might be time to try a different path and say, okay, I've tried conventional. Let's try mm-hmm. something else. Amazing uh, interview. So much great information. And yeah. I know that um, there's so many of our listeners and viewers out there that are looking for, uh, you know, great ways to increase their pets' quality of life yeah. and, and health. So, yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. Okay. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today on People with Passion for Pets. We're Jim and B. Walker, and we share the adventure of life with our dog Apollo and Heidi. For more adventure videos, check out our YouTube channel, Modern Canine, or visit our website, www.mcs.dog. And until next time, keep your paws on the road.